When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Slop Dog, the Brainiacs are ready. Welcome, welcome, welcome into Leather Brains, your host here, Slap Dog. Today is November 1st. The spooky days of Halloween are past us. Your host here, as I mentioned, Slap Dog, and I am joined today, November 1st, episode 143, with my very good friend, Yeti. Good afternoon, Yeti. Good evening, Yeti. Yeah, good evening, guys. Happy November. Um, I think, uh, you know, here at Leather Brains, we are a professional uh, podcast. Very, yeah. So I think it's appropriate to hold a moment of silence today, Slaps. Do you know okay. why? I have a, I have an inkling as to why, but I'll let you uh, I'll let you officially announce it. So a long-tenured head coach. One of the best. A year and a half, yeah. Amazing record, yeah. six and nineteen. Wow! He was fired today by right. my Las Vegas Raiders. Oh my so gosh! I Moment think we need to go ahead. A few seconds, just acknowledge. Amen, brother. Amen. No, that was beautiful, uh, and well said. We, uh, you know, you mentioned you mentioned uh, the the departure of your head coach. It was after this Raiders Lions game on Monday night. So let's just kick things off with a Monday night breakdown. Before we do that, I do just want to kind of give a brief overview of what we're going to be talking about. So of course, as I mentioned, the Monday night. Uh, and then today, really, this episode is going to be going over the trade deadline and the fallout, as well as some injuries. There's some quarterback conversations to be had. So all of that is going to be discussed. We're going to play Flex Appeal. We always do. Love it. Got to uh, gotta play that. And then we're going to finish this thing with Brain Busters. So anybody has a question, go over to YouTube, hit subscribe. We do greatly appreciate it. And then ask your questions there and we will answer it at the end of the show. So Let's talk about the Monday night game. Obviously, the Lions won this game, and the headline here is Jameer Gibbs. This was his breakout game, and gosh dang it, Yeti, did he get it done for both fantasy football players as well as the Lions. He was the Lions' entire team. His stat line, you ready for this? Insane. He went 26 for 152 and 1 on the ground, and he went 5 for 5 for 37 yards through the air. Jameer Gibbs. Welcome to the NFL, baby. Yeah, last week we got the Jordan Addison breakout game, and this week we got the Jameer breakout game. So shout out to these rookies for getting it done. Um, I think it was very evident that the offensive coordinator for Detroit wanted to get Gibbs the ball early and often. Um, I mean, I think he touched the ball six times on that first drive, <laughs> and they were they were getting chunks yeah. at a time against the Raiders, which is great to see. Um, my only concern here with Jameer Gibbs is David Montgomery. David Montgomery is most likely coming back from the rib injury after the bye week this week for Detroit. So my question to you, Slaps, is what do we do with Jameer Gibbs now? Because, you know, David Montgomery is going to come back. He's been their bell cow. And it seems like Dan Campbell tends to favor that that guy, that bigger guy that's going to tote it 15 to 20 times. 
That, you know, that's a, that's the point of conversation where we're at is what do you do with Jameer Gibbs for fantasy purposes? Because he did have an insane game, right? But as you mentioned, David Montgomery is going to come back. I do think that Gibbs has earned himself more playing time. I think you can't argue with what you saw in this Monday night game. You can't argue with the results and therefore he's going to get more playing time. But I think at the end of the day, David Montgomery is still going to come back and cut into that. What that looks like, maybe a 50-50 split, maybe every other drive. I don't know, but I'd probably be selling Gibbs right now at a very high price in the hopes that you can get something else in return. You know, that that's where I'm at. Obviously, if anybody's listening to this podcast, they know the 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 little puppeteering that I just did, but I would be looking to sell Gibbs right now because this game just skyrocketed his value, and I don't know if you see that return every other game. No, and we like to say that Jameer Gibbs has earned more playing time, right? We saw this with Swift last year, too, and Dan Campbell does not give a fuck. He will play (laughs) whoever he wants. Last year, it was Jamal Williams, um, who was ineffective with his carries, or inefficient, I should say, Um, but he was just a bruiser. They would pound Mm -hmm. him, pound him, pound him, and I think that's what they're going to do with David Montgomery once he comes back, which it sucks, man, because you look at Gibbs, and you're like, wow. He looks good out there. Like he looks he explosive. Does. He's getting yards every carry. Like this guy needs to play more. But Dan Campbell, he's stubborn, man. You sell Gibbs right now for Zach Moss. Yes or no? No. Okay. You sell Gibbs right now for Kyron Williams. That's interesting. Um, I think if you're in a position where you could hold off for a few more weeks, because I think it's clear that Williams is going to be out until what week ten, week eleven is kind of what the realm is. Twelve, I believe. Okay, so if you have the depth to handle that, what three week stretch now without a running back? Okay, I'm fine with that. But otherwise, no. You sell him for Brees Hall straight up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would, I would do that. I would. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. No. And, and last one, Bajon Robinson. You sell him for Bajon Robinson. Oh man, because that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that one's spicy. Ooh, yeah, I think okay. I would. Yep. That one, I could make an argument either way. So I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'd, I'd really have to give it a little bit more thought and probably deep dive into the playoff schedules for both of them before I made any decisions there. But yeah, no, Gibbs looked great, man. He he looked absolutely phenomenal. The Lions. Obviously got this win. They are now 6-2. and two. Lions a playoff bound, baby. Dan Campbell, choo-choo. Get on this train. Let's go. I've been exci- I'm excited for it, man. I told you at the beginning of the year I'm rooting for the Lions because Cardinals, we're, we suck. And, and a report even came out today that our owner is, uh, is kind of a POS. So um, not great to, uh, to support the Cardinals right now, and therefore I'm, I'm rooting for the, the Lions. So I'm happy for them. But... Let's talk about the Raiders' offense, Yeti, because this offense is absolutely abysmal. Devontae Adams very clearly was angry this game. You could see him. There was a clip of him on the sidelines throwing his helmet. I believe maybe the F word was slipped in there a couple times, uh, and he was really upset. And to be honest, I don't blame him because this offense is abysmal. Jim Garoppolo underthrew him on a – was an Easy touchdown. He had the defenders beat. It was a a, uh, a in the end zone. All he had to do was throw it a couple extra yards ahead of him, and he would have caught it for a touchdown. And instead, it was a pick. This offense is terrible, and Devonta Adams is pissed for it. So I 
I don't blame him, and and I don't know where you go from here. Yeah, so this offense on Monday night had 157 total yards. Jameer Gibbs had a total of 189 (laughs) yards from scrimmage. So Jameer Gibbs himself outplayed the Raiders offense, which is sad because you look at this Raiders offense in 2022, they ranked 12th in yards per game. They ranked 12th in points per game uh, with over 350 yards per game, 23 points per game. And man, this offense has just fallen off a cliff. It's the same exact players. I mean, except except for Jacoby Myers, right? They added him and the quarterback, right? But this offense has taken a step back. And Jimmy G Monday night, I think it was very evident that the time that he has missed the season is just hurting the Raiders more than it helps them. And I think that has a lot to do. Uh, with, like I said, the misreps in practice. He's just clearly off with Devontae Adams, and you can't do that to a Pro Bowl Hall of Famer type of player. Let me ask you this, because Devontae Adams was not traded. He clearly wanted out before the trade deadline. Were you hoping to see him go? Honestly, I, I get everybody saying that Devontae Adams should have been traded, and I somewhat agree if it made sense right because Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the league but at this point in the season I think everybody knows every general manager knows that Devontae Adams he wants out of Las Vegas I mean there were reports that came out today that uh, his agents had talked to the Raiders front office and said hey would you guys look the other way or you know ship me off and they said nope and I, I think that makes sense because he is a Hall of Fame player and you don't just trade away those guys if the retor- return is shit. And the Raiders are kind of handcuffed because what are they going to get? You know, like a fifth round, sixth round pick. And then at that point, it's like, you know, is that really going to help a rebuild? What does that do for us? Sure. And if you bring in a new head coach, um, which, you know, there's going to be a changing of the guard here you want a guy that you can build the offense around and that is Devonte adams so i think it's kind of twofold you look at it short term yeah you could probably trade off Devonte adams for a fifth fourth fifth round whatever but in the long run your offense is going to hurt with the new quarterback probably in the future yeah i think that no matter what your offense is going to struggle at least for a little while and and there is a, a very finite time left for Devonte adams to be relevant he's 31 years old you know he's still got gas in the tank he still looks very good out there but how much longer can he produce like this he's he'll be 32 next year in this last year of his contract and then he has a potential out so I, I don't know. I, it's it's an interesting one. I do feel kind of bad for him because I would be very frustrated as well. Um, he went to the Raiders to be with his quarterback, Derek Carr, and then Derek, the whole Derek Carr situation happened. So now he's stuck playing with Jimmy G on a very lackluster offense. That sucks. I feel for him in that way. But perhaps... There is some light at the end of this tunnel. There's there is a changing of the guard. You know, we just gave a moment of silence for a fallen warrior and Josh McDaniels. The Raiders today fired him as well as the general manager. So, as our Raiders, our resident Raiders fan, how are you feeling? Are you happy about this decision? I mean, I, I think most people probably are, and they say that it it is certainly um, a long time coming. But when you first heard this news, what was your uh, what was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, this, like you had mentioned, this is a a long time coming for Raiders fans. As somebody who watches Raider games every week and watches this offense just continue to fall on his face and the players get disappointed and frustrated, 
this was long overdue and it was not a surprise. The only surprise was the timing because I was asleep, as was everybody else, <laughs> yeah. you know, past um, the Midwest because <laughs> it was midnight here. Yeah, um, that was the only real surprise to me. Um, from an outside perspective, I, I've heard on talk shows and we had uh, Scotty or Leatherbrains producer. He he had mentioned that the timing is very confusing, right? Like why fire a guy in the middle of the season? Which, you know, I that's a valid question. Mm-hmm. And my my reason behind getting rid of Josh McDaniels at this current juncture is this offense is bottom in every category. And when you hired Josh McDaniels, this was a guy that was supposed to be an offensive mastermind. He had great success in New England. Um, and then he couldn't transfer that over to Denver, but then he went back to New England. He learned his from his mistakes and got the offense back, right? But this offense just continued to suck. There was no progress. And then you have players coming out and voicing their frustration. You have Devontae Adams on the sideline saying, this is fucking bullshit. He's slamming his helmet. And this is something that you would never see from him in Green Bay, right? When he was having any kind of trouble with Aaron Rodgers, you would never see this. And he's handled this whole situation with class. But when you have your best player voicing your frustration or his frustrations, it's time to make a move. You've lost the locker room. And what what's he going to do if he stays for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, even Josh Jacobs was asked. He said, hey, like somebody had asked him, where do you go from here? How do you fix this? And he literally said, that's not my job. So when your players are saying that and they're kind of throwing you, I don't want to say under the bus, but that that statement right there is we're throwing you under the bus. You don't know what the hell you're doing. And when you've lost your players, where do you, as a team and as a coach, where do you go from there, you know? So I'm excited for the, the Raiders. I, I don't know if I'd ever root for you guys, so I apologize, but I am excited for you guys as a franchise because I know what it feels like to just be in sadness and despair. And this was the, I, I think, the first step in a very long journey to to hopefully back to relevance, you know. And um, I think it kind of also shows that perhaps, you know, Josh McDaniels, the Patriots, the Tom Brady era, um, maybe it wasn't the coaches that that found the success. Maybe it was Tom Brady and all these coaches kind of rode on the coattails of it. Do you think there's any validity to that statement? Yeah, I think so. And that was kind of evident with Josh McDaniels trying to bring the Patriot way to Las Vegas, right? He brought in players to kind of fit that system, right? Instead of making uh, his system around the players, which just fell clearly on his face. Mm-hmm. And he had Bill Belichick there to help guide him, who was sure. a general manager and brought in his type of guys. And I mean, if you look at what Tom Brady said from his time in New England, like Bill Belichick runs a pretty tight system. And it's not for everybody, mm-hmm. which I think he tried to bring that same exact situation to Las Vegas, and he fell on his face. Um, listen to his press conference. Dude was full of excuses. His players couldn't get it done. Like He would never take accountability for his actions. You throw your players under the bus, they're going to do the same to you. Man. Yeah, I mean, yep. they, and they did. So I, I was... Uh... Like I said, I'm happy for you guys, man, and I think it's it's for the best for you guys to continue to uh, to try and rebuild, and and this is the first step in that that uh, that entire journey. I, I'll ask one more question: Is there any coach you want? 
Is there any coach or offensive coordinator or someone? Have you thought that far? Obviously, the Raiders as an organization are going to, but have you as Yeti thought about who you want to be the next head coach? Just um, wish list, wish list, guys. I, not that it's I, not that it's going to happen. You know, I really hadn't thought about it, but the first name to come to mind is Steve Spagnolio, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, just because he has experience in this division. And if you look at what he's been able to do to that Chiefs defense over the past five plus years, I mean, they've put it together when it matters the most. And they, I mean, their front seven is pretty good and they've had guys rotate in the secondary, but he's held that defense together and he's worked with those guys pretty well. Um, I will say though, I am excited to see what our in- interim head coach can bring to the table. He was a linebackers um, head co- or the linebackers coach. Is that right? Yep, exactly. So they brought in or uh, they're promoting Antonio Pierce, <laughs> who is a linebacker for the New York jets or giants rather who the Raiders actually play this week. So, That'll be a, a be fun, fun little reunion for him. Yeah. So, yeah. That no, uh, it's exciting stuff, and there's even more exciting stuff coming for the Raiders. Uh, Aiden O'Connell is getting the start over Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer this week versus the Giants, which is for fantasy. We need to talk about the implications, but even before we get to that, uh, uh, what do you think of that? Because. Aiden O'Connell was third on the depth chart with Josh McDaniels. He was, you know, Josh McDaniels wanted to start Brian Hoyer over Aiden O'Connell. So to have a new interim head coach come in and then also make a quarterback change, what? how do you feel about that? I love it because Antonio Pierce came in and he was like, you know, Aiden O'Connell gives us the best chance to win football games. And this is something that Josh McDaniels couldn't do because in O'Connell's first start, he threw three picks against the Chargers and got sacked, what, seven times, eight times or something like that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> after that game, McDaniels was saying that Brian Hoyer gives him the best chance. My ass. Like if you yeah. look at the locker room's reaction to Aiden O'Connell getting the start, like they're excited. Um, I, I think this makes a lot of sense um, from a fantasy perspective. I think it can only get better from here. You know, the Raiders offense with Jimmy G and Brian Hoyer. Yeah, that that was bottom three in the NFL. So mm-hmm. it can only go up is what I'm going to say. I don't no, know if I, it like dramatically skyrockets Devontae no. Adams or Josh Jacobs, but they will be usable. Yeah, sure. I, I think. Um, I mean, I said this when you guys got Jimmy G. I said, I think Jimmy G is fucking terrible. And I think he is terrible. And I think that. He's not a good quarterback. So I, if I was a Raiders fan, what do you have to lose is really where I'm at. Like, you know that this season's a bust. You know that you're – I mean, obviously, as soon as you fire your head coach and your GM, you're pretty much waving the white flag that the season's over for us. So let this rookie quarterback come in. Let's see if you got anything with him. And let's, let's still try and compete. But at the end of the day, just let him play. Let him get some experience, and let's see. Maybe we have something we can work with here. So – I like that move, but now we have to talk about it for fantasy football very quickly. You mentioned Josh Jacobs. You mentioned Devontae Adams. Is, do uh, Josh Jacobs is almost, uh, he could kind of set him aside because you're going to start him no matter what. Devontae Adams, you're probably also starting, but can we expect you know a performance from them or expect any sort of fantasy relevance with the rookie quarterback in there? I sure as hell hope so. Uh, Josh Jacobs, he's obviously going to get all the carries out of the backfield. He's going to get targets uh, as he was before with Jimmy G and Brian Hoyer, um, just because it is a rookie and he's going to take those checkdowns when he can. 
Um, the one person I'm curious to see whose value is affected by this move is Jacoby Meyer. Um, and yeah. I say that because Jimmy G, he loves targeting guys over the middle. But the Raiders also have Hunter Renfro, who we talked about last week. You know, Hunter Renfro signed a two-year extension last year with the Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels in, in office. So um, he's kind of been the forgotten guy. And I wonder if the new offensive coordinator is going to try to get him involved more in this offense. And if he does, Jacoby Myers is going to be the one that hurts for that because they both play the slot and they, they're both quick short easy uh passes yeah i the the problem for me is he's just not on the field a lot and like that that's been renfo's probably biggest problem is this last week was one of his highest weeks for just snap percentage at 61 percent. so renfro hasn't been on the field and that's why i don't think we've seen a lot of fantasy production out of him and somebody else that I'm kind of interested in is Michael Mayer, the rookie. He is on the field a shit ton. I don't expect that to, to change so much, but I wonder is typically rookie quarterbacks, they, they try and make it easy for them, right? So mm-hmm. they, they don't try and make them ha- have incredible throws or do anything. It's get the ball in a playmaker's hands, let him play. Look at your checkdowns. You read here, you read here, you read here, and you do it very quickly. Tight end's an easy check down as well. So Michael, Michael Mayer could end up being a beneficiary of this as well. I'm not saying go pick up either of these guys, but I am interested to see how this offense kind of transition with a new coach, a new head coach calling the plays and, uh, and what personnel they kind of use to try and move the ball down the field. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. And I, I truly hope they do get Hunter Renfro more involved because he is a talented guy. If you just watched his route running, he is, he was a pro bowler for a reason. A couple yeah. Of years ago. Yeah. And it's sad that he hasn't gotten used. Speaking of people who have not gotten used, Joshua Dobbs will no longer be used by the Cardinals. He was traded on the trade deadline. He was traded to the Vikings. Very, uh, I, I, I think initially, um, when when the news broke that Joshua Dobbs, there was a tweet that came out that Josh or uh, John Gannon, head coach for the Cardinals, had said that Joshua Dobbs will not be our starter anymore, and then everybody's kind of scratching their heads. Um, that's kind of when the murmurs started. And I think we even said on the, on the podcast on Monday, maybe he's getting traded to the Vikings. And it turns out we were a hundred percent correct. That is exactly what happened. Yeah. I, I kind of feel bad for this guy because he started the season with Cleveland. He gets traded to Arizona right before the season starts. And now halfway through the season, he gets traded to Minnesota. So <laughs> that's three playbooks in a matter of what, three months, four months at this point. So mm-hmm. If there's one guy in the league that can do it, it's Joshua Dobbs. He's a smart he, dude. He's, he's like a wanted to be an astronaut or some shit. Yeah, I think he worked for NASA at one point. He was uh, yeah. yeah doing something with NASA. I'm jealous because I, I lack <laughs> a lot of brain cells. So that guy is uh, he's got it. In my respect, yeah. Um, for fantasy though, this is kind of interesting. Um, it is. I I don't know. know. Here's the thing with Joshua Dobbs. I I don't. As a Cardinals fan, I was a little upset when I heard that we traded him away because I was like, he wasn't bad for us. But I think I think one of two things from the Cardinals' perspective, I think there's a couple things at play here. You know that Kyler Murray's going to come back, right? And if Kyler Murray doesn't come back, you're going to start the rookie Clayton Toon. So you're either going to play Clayton Toon and you're going to fail miserably, which increases your draft stock, which we already have really great, or you're going to play Kyler Murray, see if you can get him acclimated in this new offense with a new head coach and give him a couple weeks of playing time before we inevitably don't make it to the playoffs, and then he waits for the rest of the offseason. So 
I, I I think Joshua Dobbs was doing enough to keep us competitive in some games, and I think that sending him away was probably best for us as as me who wants to tank. I'm in for that. But what I think this does for the Vikings is also incredibly interesting because the Vikings obviously did not have a backup quarterback for Kirk Cousins. They didn't see Kirk Cousins being gone for the rest of the season. And now Joshua Dobbs, he's not a – I don't think he was terrible for the Cardinals. I don't think he was anything to write home about and, and say he was incredible, but I would say as far as like backups that have been playing for the year, I don't think he was bad. And so now he goes to the Vikings. I do think once he learns that playbook, he will probably end up becoming the starter for them. And now what does that do for Jordan Addison? What does that do for Justin Jefferson's return? What does that do for Alexander Madison? Because Joshua Dobbs also is not afraid to grab the ball and run with it himself. So that brings another element to this offense that we really haven't seen with Kirk Cousins either. Yeah, yeah. And I think this move by the Vikings kind of tipped their hand as to what they expect for the rest of the season because they're not out of playoff contention by any means. Hell, they could even still win the NFC North um, because they're only two games behind the Lions at this point. So I think going and getting Josh Jobs makes them the most competitive instead of playing Hall, who's a rookie out of BYU. Um for fantasy, Justin Jefferson, he, if he does come back, if he decides that he wants to play the rest of the season, he's going to be just fine. But I think from the time in Arizona, what I learned a lot about Josh Dobbs is he loves his tight ends. So TJ Hawkinson, he's a guy that you're going to start every week no matter what. But I, I'm kind of thinking he has a shot to average 15 to 20 points per game. You know, if he gets the same amount of targets that Zach Ertz and McBride were getting down there in McBride Arizona. McBride got 12 this last week. And and before Ertz got injured and was out, um, Ertz was seeing high-end, top-tier elite volume. He wasn't doing a lot with him because it's the Cardinals and we're trash. But TJ Hawkinson, I think, is a little bit more to his prime than Zach Ertz. So... I, that is a good point. Let me ask you this. From a fantasy perspective, would you be looking to acquire Hawkinson and, and, and make a trade for him here before the fantasy trade deadline? A hundred percent, yeah. And you have to know that he's not going to come cheap by any means, but you're getting a solidified top five tight end with potential finishing tight end one the rest of the season. You trade Mark Andrews straight up for uh, Hawkinson right now. Ooh. Why? Why would you? Just hedging your bets that Hawkinson finishes higher. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would do that just just because <laughs> I I want to back up my talk on Hawkinson. Okay, okay. I was just curious. <laughs> I it, it's one that has interested me for a while now. Somebody who owns Mark Andrews in a lot of my fantasy leagues, I'm kind of uh, he's doing well. He's doing re- he's doing well enough for me to be happy that I drafted him. But I'm also just like. I have you everywhere. What if I just kind of hedge my bets in some other camps? So it's just interesting, a thought. And I do agree with you. I think Hawkinson will do well. But what about Jordan Addison? Is he a concern? He started to kind of become an, a, a solidified starter in most fantasy players' teams. And now there are some questions there. Until uh, Justin Jefferson comes back, I think he's a start and forget type of guy. But when Justin Jefferson comes back, I think it's really going to be matchup dependent. Honestly, if they, I don't have their schedule here in front of me, but if they have some tough ones coming up, Jordan Addison is going to be that guy who is going to get the, you know, not as much coverage. So he's going to get a little more targets. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't, we ha- we don't have enough sample size with Joshua Dobbs with a, a true wide receiver two at this point. For me to be like, yeah, we need to sit Jordan Addison or 
he's going to be a lock and load every week. You go pick up KJ Osborne and you hold him just in case. Yeah, the the passing volume is there. I mean, the Vikings throw out the third most in the NFL, so uh, somebody's going to get catch the ball, right? So uh, KJ Osborne for the time being with Justin Jefferson out, sure, that's okay. fine. Okay. Um, there's another quarterback. Is Will Levis? Is he the future for the Titans? He is getting a start on tomorrow's game, or if you're listening on Thursday, Thursday night's game. Ryan Tannehill has been ruled out, making Will Levis the starter. Is he here to stay? That mayo drinking <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> he proved us all wrong, man. Um, I, I know this was one game against Atlanta, but I have to say, watching him fling the ball 60 yards with a, like a flick of the wrist, it just looks so effortless. It was impressive, man. He he has a strong-ass arm, and he was feeding D-Hop. Uh, you know, four catches for three touchdowns and however many yards he had. That's great, <laughs> right? Because yeah. Ryan Tannehill wasn't capable of doing that. He's just no. a check down type of guy, and the rhythm was all off with Tannehill uh, when he was healthy. So I do think Will Levis gives them the best chance to win games going forward. I, I'm interested to see, you know, we, we talk about this quite often here on the show. Um, especially whenever we have a quarterback that goes down, which seems like it's every week now. But they didn't have any tape on him. The Falcons had no tape on him, and I am of the camp that that does, that does hold some ground. I think that is a, a very key piece for defenses, and when you don't have tape on a guy, it makes it really, really hard to stop them. So I don't think, and, and here's the other thing, it was a Sunday game. Now they're turning around and playing on Thursday. That's not a lot of time to implement a, def- a full defensive package and strategy. So they lose a couple days there as well. I'm interested to see. Maybe Will Levis does really, really well this this game as well because they didn't have enough time. But I do think he will end up taking a step backwards after this game. I think, and not enough to make me like concerned with him, but I, I had said very vocally on last episode, don't spend a lot of fab on this guy because I think there's a lot of other quarterbacks that are a little bit better. And some people, I can guarantee you, wouldn't pick Will Levis up in some leagues because he had one good game. I don't mind him as an own, but I wouldn't have been spending a lot of fab on him. And, and the other question, or I guess the question now is, is D-Hop back in a starting lineup? Oh, man. I think this week against Pittsburgh, uh, yes. I, I'm comfortable rolling out D-Hop now um, with Levis back there because we, we know Levis can get him the ball and is probably going to feed him the ball because D-Hop is such a reliable, huge target, right? Um, so I would feel comfortable starting Hopkins. Um, and then Derrick Henry, he's, a, he's another guy. He was um, a lot of people's you know, fantasy wish list traded player, you know, I wish he gets traded to Dallas or Philly. I think Derrick Henry's value goes up too, just because of the potential for, for Will Levis to throw the ball now, because now defenses have to prepare for uh, that 30 yard bomb that Levis is going to throw. And there's not going to be as many boxes or stacked boxes for. Yeah. The the offense becomes, you know, more than two dimensional where it's hand Derrick Henry the ball, throw Derrick Henry the ball, try and get Derrick Henry the ball in space. Like, I agree with you, and I think this will only help him. D-Hop, and we'll play this in Flex Appeal. I may have brought in some mean mean Flex Appeal guys to, uh, to pit against each other, so I don't want to show my hand too much, but 
I think Dia Hop is certainly an interesting own right now. I, I, I think he's still not a must start guy for me, but depending upon who you're you're arguing internally with yourself as to who to start, I don't mind D Hop as a, as a start because I do think that this offense is able to, you know, D Hop is historically a deep ball kind of guy, a deep ball threat, and Ryan Tannehill couldn't throw the ball. So, I'm interested to see how that works, and there's another quarterback change for the Falcons. Jeez. It's a, it's in the wise words of Lizzo, it's about damn time. Taylor Heineke gets a start for the Falcons, Desmond Ritter Let's have a moment of silence for him as well. Thank you for your service, Mr. Ritter. We appreciate it. Your time is up with the Falcons, and it's Taylor Heineke. The stanky Heineke is back in business, but it's with a different team. It is with the Falcons. Is this the right move? Yeah, I I think so, man. Um, At this point, we have seen, what, 12 games of Taylor Heineke, and we have seen what this offense can do with Taylor or with the Ritter, got it. I'm already excited about Heineke. I'm, I'm moving on, man. Um, but honestly, Ritter just he wasn't getting the job done, and the, it shows in the offense's production, right? Yeah. Um, in fact, over Ritter's 12 games that he started in, uh, he had a abysmal 44% accuracy on throws longer than 10 yards. That is horrible. <laughs> I mean, this defenses can just sit in the box basically, and they don't have to worry about any deep shots because Ritter can't get the guys the ball out there, and that's terrible when you have a guy like Drake London who's fucking six five. They basically have a basketball team out there with him and Pitts. Kyle Pitts, who's also tall, Jenny Smith. Yeah, it, and he's still couldn't get it done. Well, and and that brings up the question: What do you do for these guys? Like, does this make you more interested? Obviously, nobody's going to drop Drake London when Kyle Pitts is not being dropped either. But now they've kind of come into the start-sit category. With Taylor Heineke back there, we know what he did with the Commanders last year, and we kind of got a tease of it in the the second half, rather, of of last week's game. Do you feel more comfortable and, and more excited to start someone like Kyle Pitts or Drake London on a weekly basis with him at the helm? I'm a little more excited because their targets aren't going to be just terrible quality, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to remember that this is an Arthur Smith offense and that he is just going to pound the fuck out of the ball. So, I mean, I don't think the attempts are going to change by any means unless the Falcons are down, right? Unless the game script depends on it. Mm -hmm. But the quality of targets is what's going to be important for Drake London and Kyle Pitts going forward. I think their value goes up slightly because they... I mean, it can't get any worse than what they had with sure. Desmond Ritter is the only is my only real argument there. Mm-hmm. So, well, the 49ers got stronger. They uh, they traded to get Chase Young from the Commanders. So I think it was what a third round pick. So the strong gets stronger, mm-hmm. man. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I think the defense for the 49ers was we talked about it. The way to beat them is throwing the ball. But when you have an a Bosa brother and Chase Young on the outside coming at you constantly, it's going to make it really hard for that quarterback to get the ball off in a timely fashion. So, I mean, this is just – the 49ers are playing real-life Madden. That's what they're doing right now, where they're just – they're buying all these good players, and they did it last year with CMC, and now they did it again with Chase Young. Yeah, the salary cap does not exist for good teams, man. Salary cap's a fraud. They don't. They only matter when your team sucks. So yeah. we're like, in the we, same boat. We can't buy sucks. anybody. We don't yeah. have any money, and it's like, well, the 49ers have everybody. So where do they get right. their money from? 
yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. I, I think that it's um, they're not afraid to give away trade capital for uh, to try and contend, and, and it, it certainly shows here. So another trade happened. Donovan Peoples Jones was traded to the Lions. I have my thoughts as to why this happened, but what about you? Yeah, I think this happened because um, God, I can't remember their wide receiver's name now. I'm drawing a blank. J-Mo? Not Jameson. Well, not Jamo. The oh, you they mean had another Marvin, Marvin Jones Jr. Yeah, Marvin Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, him leaving the team a couple weeks ago. I think that has a lot more to do with this uh, transaction for Detroit. Um, they are searching desperately for a true wide receiver too in this offense. They're trying to fill it with Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds and Jamison Williams, but those three guys, they really haven't shown much. And I think this gives DPJ a chance to prove that he is a legitimate wide receiver too, after not getting utilized in Cleveland's offense this year. So, um, I, I have a little bit of concern with Jamison Williams. That's what um, I was going to ask. I, I know that. He has dealt with injuries. He's been suspended, yada, yada, yada. But in the times that they have tried to implement him into the game plan, he just can't catch a ball or he's missing assignments. Like he, I think he's struggling with the playbook a little bit here and just struggling with the timing, which I mean, I think that's a huge portion of those training camps and the practices that he has missed the past two off seasons. Yeah. I'm interested to see how, this looks. I mean, for for selfish purposes, I have both Jamison Williams and DBJ in our dynasty format, and I don't really know what I want to happen. I think, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a young guy. He's not like an old veteran guy. He's been in the league for a few years, but he still has a lot of tread left on the tires. So I am interested to see what happens here. I think more than anything else, this was a move to try and replace Marvin Jones Jr. So I'm not going to say that Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be a starter. I still like Jameson Williams more at this moment, and I still also like um, Josh Reynolds a little bit more, as well as Khalif Raymond. I need to see him get worked into here. I don't know what we do from here, but I, I think Jameson Williams could be... I don't want to put him on the hot seat yet, but I think he's the seat's getting a little warmer here with this trade. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's fair to compare Jamison Williams to somebody like Kadarius Tony at this point? Kadarius Tony's way uglier. Kadarius Tony might be <laughs> one of the ugliest human beings I've ever seen. He is a scary looking individual. It's all he, about the personality. He doesn't have that either. Oh, and he's also bad okay. at football. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I get what you're saying. I understand the similarity you're trying to bring to the table, but I do think it is a little bit different. Kadarius Tony, well, Kadarius Tony's just been off and on with injury. Jamison Williams entered the league with an ACL tear, like which is that's huge, and especially as a rookie when you don't get to play your entire rookie season, I think that really, really hurts. If I was to choose right now, I still like Jamison Williams more than Kadarius Tony because now that Kadarius Tony is healthy and I've got to see him on the field, I have not been impressed. And I also think that Jamison Williams, there is, I, I still do feel like there is some potential for him. He is a fast guy. He can catch the ball. It's just he really hasn't been schemed into this offense, whether that because of his ability or because the Lions don't scheme him in like they should there's probably equal sides to blame there maybe I, but i still like i like jameson williams more than he did have his his gambling problem and i understand that um or his i don't want to say it was a problem because it makes it sound like he's got he has a problem he just gambled make him sound have. like an addict yeah yeah so <laughs> i, I <laughs> 
I just, I don't know. I, I, the unfortunate thing is there's not enough tape in the NFL for him for me to say yes or no. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And Detroit has a bye week this week. So I think next week is going to be kind of telling us to what they really think about Jamison Williams, because this is a week for them to practice, kind of regroup and maybe draw up more packages for Jamison Williams. But if we also see DPJ get more involved right away, that's a little interesting to me. And that kind of raises a bigger red flag after this trade. Yeah, and that would that would certainly concern me if we if the week after this bye week here, if DPJ sees more time than Jamison Williams on the field, that's a huge red flag, and that that's going to sit there and make me wonder what what is the future of Jamison Williams because he was a first round draft pick. It's not like he holds no value, and so do do the Lions? I mean, the trade deadline's up, so they're do they wait till the off season and then just try and offload him for a, a third round or a late second or something? I don't know. But that would concern me if that happened. Yeah, only time will tell, my friend. Only time will tell. And now we're going to tell each other who we should start this week. We're going to play some Flex Appeal, baby. You ready for this? Let's try. All right. Why don't you kick it off? All right. So my first Flex Appeal for week nine slaps. You ready for it? I suppose. A little Taylor Swift action. Um, anyway. that, was, that was Taylor Swift? Oh, my yeah, God. <laughs> she's everywhere, bro, even Shit. on our podcast. Yeah. Um, all right. Back to Flex Appeal. All right. James Cook versus Cincinnati or Nico Collins versus Tampa Bay. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So we didn't say that Playoff Lenny signed with the Bills, right. which is interesting. Playoff Lenny finally found a home. I think this was more indicative of Latavius Murray than anything else, and I'm out on Latavius Murray with the signing here, but that doesn't make me any less scared of James Cook. <sighs> I think I think Nico Collins has a higher ceiling here for sure. But I think James Cook has the safer floor. I'm gonna go James Cook. Ooh, I'm going Nico Collins here, Slaps. And my reason for this is because Houston is going to have to throw the the ball if they want a chance to win this game, just because Tampa Bay is stout against a run and they have a clear pass funnel defense. So I think Nico Collins, he is the wide receiver one for Houston, and he's going to get fed this week. James Cook, I have concerns going up against the Cincinnati defense that has been on a pretty good pace so far this season. Um, I think they've looked pretty pretty decent the rush defense um, isn't good though yeah but i think this could be a situation where buffalo is playing from behind against cincinnati oh really yep i think Cincinnati's going to beat buffalo in this game but anywho i think nico collins is going to get more volume so I'm i think if you to- if you're looking for a higher ceiling roll with collins but if you're looking for the safety net you're going to play james cook that's how i look I'd at get that six points yeah um all right are you starting drake london versus minnesota or jordan addison versus atlanta there is i brought the shifting of the quarterbacks to you oh did you switch i wasn't ready for this one um oh wait never mind no you're good you're good sorry i uh i i just can't read Um, oh no wait i'm sorry that's yours i'm losing my mind no you're right wait yeah, that's mine. I failed here. Here we go. There you go. Let's, here we go. Let's re- rewind. Yep. D-Hop versus Pittsburgh or Joshua Palmer versus the New York Jets. <laughs> there we go. Now we're back there on the script. There we go. Back on script, baby. Not only does the NFL have a script, but we have a we script. We do too. Yeah. Spoiler. Surprise. 
surprise. Um, I'm rolling with D Hop here, and the reason being is Pittsburgh gives up 195 yards to wide receivers throughout the season, which is third most in the NFL. Uh, whereas the Jets, they give up the fewest yards to wide receivers this uh, this season. So I think combine that with Joshua Palmer looking like he could barely play on. He Sunday did get injured. Night. Yeah, he he's been dealing with that knee injury, so I think he has that against him. Combined with a tough matchup. I'm rolling with D Hop. Um, you can't rely on three touchdowns every week, right? Yeah. But the the threat of a deep ball catch is going to be there with Will Levis. So I'm rolling with D Hop. Yeah, I was. I tried to pit, you know, the um, the quarterback change versus a, uh, a wide receiver two with a decent quarterback. So, but I think the matchup here is what really sways me. I'm also taking D Hop on this one for everything you just mentioned. Yep, and now, I got the quarterback switch. This yes, is my big brain play. Don't try to take credit for no, my dude, big brain. Come I'm on. so sorry. I have a big head, and there's a lot of knowledge and a I'm lot just, of good I'm looking questions. to try and capitalize. Uh-huh. Well, here we go. Drake London versus Minnesota, or Jordan Addison versus Atlanta. I think it's got to be Drake London. I think, God, I think. I mean, the Vikings are going to have to start a rookie quarterback that has never played an NFL game before against Atlanta, who actually has a pretty good pass defense. And then you have Drake London going against Minnesota, who I don't think they do have a, a good pass defense. I'm trying to look on this list here and see if they do, but I don't think that they do. Paired with the fact that Taylor Heineke has played NFL football before. He knows what he's, and I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the NFL, but he has played snaps in the NFL before. I think I'm going to take Drake London on this one. Yeah, so I came up with this question before I saw that London had a questionable tag. I guess he, yeah, he does hurt carry his the groin game. last week. Who, um, do, so who doesn't sorry. hurt? I mean, everyone's hurting their groins. I just did it taking the trash out last night. <laughs> there you go. I was going to ask what you did to yourself. Yeah. But, uh, um. I think this is a situation to monitor, right? With Drake if, London, if they both play, yeah. Let's say if they both play, who are you doing? I mean, I'm t- if obviously Drake London doesn't play, this question becomes pretty damn easy. But under like if they're both playing, who are you start? London. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Minnesota's fifteen matchup. Yeah. yeah. No, I think the matchup is is certainly there, and the, you know they both have that quarterback shift that we we discussed. So um, I think Taylor Heineke is the safer play than some rookie quarterback with the Vikings. Now I present to you T. Higgins versus Buffalo or Joshua Downs versus Carolina Battle of the Wide Receiver 2s. Can we call T. Higgins a wide receiver 2? I think for fantasy fantasy this year we can call him a wide receiver 2. He's like a wide receiver 4. Well, okay, yeah. Wide (laughs) receiver 2 on the team. Uh, I think Tyler Boyd might be the you true think wide receiver. Too. No, stop. <laughs> or Irwin, Trent stop. Irwin. Oh my gosh! At, at this point, T. Although Higgins... Tyler Boyd is finishing higher than T. Higgins right now for fantasy. Exactly. But exactly. T. Higgins was hurt. T. Higgins did not play for a game and was kind of out in and out of games. So it's still T. Higgins. But who are you starting? T. Higgins versus Buffalo or Joshua Downs versus Carolina? 
Yeah, give me the guy who's playing more than 57% of the snaps every week. Uh, Joshua Downs. Uh, Downs with Gardner Minshew in is averaging nearly nine targets a game. And I think the the matchups are about the same for these guys, but I just like what Minshew is doing there with Josh Joshua Downs in Indianapolis. So. It is a fun time. No, Minshew mania, you. baby. Minshew magic, baby. No, I would be taking Joshua Downs as well. T. Higgins just has not got it done this year. So, he, and he's on a contract year, which makes this even more interesting. Right. Like I, I watched him against Cincinnati, uh, not Cincinnati, San Francisco, and I was like, he just kind of looks like a shell of who we saw last year. Yeah. I don't know if he's dealing with injuries or what, but he's like a decoy more than anything out there and that's it's alarming sad. on a contract year like yeah i wonder if zach taylor is like we're purpose we're gonna tank this guy so he comes back exactly like, we'll give you the highest offer we just won't play you um yeah i don't know that one's weird but i uh, i agree with you i'd be starting joshua downs all right well for my last flex appeal what slaps fuck, we got rasheed rice versus miami in germany or aaron jones versus the rams Why'd you do this? <laughs> this is disgusting. It's got to be Rashi Rice, man. I mean, Aaron Jones hasn't even like been relevant almost at all this season. So this last week was the first week that he saw over a 50% snap share at all this year at 51%. And he was limited in practice today. Rashi Rice, and here's the thing. We have said this before. You do not start a Chiefs wide receiver. You don't do it. You don't because you can't you can't accurately predict that they're going to get it done. However, if you had to pick between these two people, it's Rashi Rice, man. At least he's on the field. At least he's getting targeted. And I would rather have the coin flip and it land on heads for Rashi Rice than, than coin flip and it's Aaron Jones and I, I'd get two points. Yeah, I think the upside has got to be with Rice this week, especially in a, a potential shootout with Miami. They're going to have to throw the ball to kind of keep up here with Miami um, if Miami can do what they've done against every other team, and that's put up points. So I'm going with Rice myself here, Slaps. All right, last one. Battle of the running back twos. Alexander Madison versus the Falcons or Jalen Warren versus the Titans. You're nasty. I know. I love doing it, though. I'm going to stop calling you Slaps and just call you Nasty Dog. Nasty Dog. Um, God, man, I hate you sometimes. I'm sorry, but I thought this was one that, like, I struggle with this in a league, so it's a decision I'm gonna have to make. So I figured, you know what, other people might have to make this decision as well. Let's bring it to the table and talk about it. Yeah, but you did this to me last week too with Alexander Madison and Jalen Warren. So thank you, um, for pitting them against each other and for making my life hell. But I am rolling with Madison again this week after rolling him out last week. Um, Madison, we had kind of concerns there with Cam Akers potentially digging into his share a little bit. But Madison, he played 61% of the snaps last week, whereas Akers' snap share went down. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty, right, with Minnesota now that Kirk Cousins is out. We don't know if Joshua Dobbs is starting this week on a short turnaround or if Hall, the rookie out of BYU, is going to start. But I think regardless, 
Madison is going to be playing at least 60% of the snaps again. And I'm hoping that his, his attempts are going to go up as well as, as a result of the rookie quarterback playing. So I'm going to bank on Minnesota running it a little more, potentially getting Madison involved more in the receiving game. And I'm rolling with him against Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. I, and that was something that I kind of talked about with Alan and, and Scotty on, on Monday's episode is like, do you expect Alexander's Madison touches to potentially go up because they might not be passing the ball as much because they don't have Kirk Cousins there? I don't want to definitively say yes, but I think it is a good train of thought that is certainly, I, I lean more towards yes than no. Right. And I think historically, Kevin McConnell, um, he's he's a pass heavy type of guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you look at Madison's game logs this the season, he's kind of up and down with 11 carries, eight carries, 20 carries, eight carries, 17 carries, eight carries. Yeah. So you never know what you're going to get every week. But I tend to think that this week is going to be a 15 to 20 type of carry game for Madison. So I would I would take that over Jalen Warren, who's sharing a backfield. He shouldn't be, but he is. And that matchup against Tennessee is not the greatest. Yeah. Okay. I would also start Alexander Madison. I do think that like I Jalen Warren's been an interesting own this year. More often than not, he's just a bi week fill in, I think. But um I do want him to take over for Najee because I hate Najee as a fantasy player. But all right, that's it. Uh, we have a uh, couple of brain buster questions we will get to, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. First question comes from Unich. U-N-I-K-H-80. Unich 80. Should I start Kyle Pitts or Ferguson? This is fun. This, this is, is a fun one. This is a fun one. And I'll throw a little sprinkle of a bonus in there. Taysom Hill's also on the waiver wire. Okay. Taysom Hill is interesting just because he has that rushing upside that no other tight end fucking has. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Taysom Hill, the past three weeks, he's put up double-digit fantasy points, which is also hard to ignore. And he's going up against Chicago. So we have a lot of things favoring Taysom Hill here. Um, if you want safety, though, I think I'm rolling with Kyle Pitts. And I say Kyle Pitts because I, I, I think the changing of the guard there in Atlanta with Taylor Heineke taking over is going to benefit Kyle Pitts a little more with looks over the middle. Um, we saw Tyler, Taylor Heineke. He kind of favored Logan Thomas last year with uh, Washington. And I think that can carry over to Atlanta. Um, but if you want more of an upside, I would go Taysom Hill. So it just kind of depends on how you want to play this week. I'm going to say go get Taysom Hill and play him. Because in my argument being with this, and I know this is you asked for Pitts or Ferguson, but you did tell me Taysom Hill was there. So I'm going to say this. You're banking on a crapshoot at tight end anyway. Right, so at the tight end position, you're you're hoping for a touchdown. You're hoping that a tight end at, at minimum is going to give you seven points, and anything else after that is ancillary. Taysom Hill provides the highest amount of upside for you. I think it would be Taysom Hill for me because I do think that. I mean, last week he 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 took nine carries for sixty three yards and two touchdowns. He hauled in a fourteen yard 
catch and then he also threw it for 44 yards like you don't get that out of a tight end position and I'm not going to say that that's going to happen often but what I am going to say is is it's better than what you're getting out of either of these two tight ends so I think Taysom Hill does provide the highest ceiling and I would be doing him over both these guys this week especially against the Bears nice next question homie two cent should I trade away Joe Mixon and Pickens for Mahomes. He did include his team here, Yeti. So I've put that in the show notes because I don't want to read his entire team. But I lean towards no. You have CJ Stroud. I would I don't I would not You'd be hurting it running you'd just be hurting yourself for a minimal upgrade, in my opinion. So I'm gonna go with no. Yep, I agree. Mahomes is a great real-life quarterback, fantasy quarterback, though. He's kind of taken a step back from last season. Mm -hmm. Not saying he's not going to turn it around, but at this point, I think C.J. Shroud is a a good own, and you'd be hurting yourself more at this point. Agree. The the point differential on average, if you made this trade, you're getting yourself an extra four points a game. And that's not... Yeah, not worth it to get rid of a, a starting running back and a usable flex option wide receiver. Um, last question comes from Lord Sports a lot. That's a cool name. I have Chase as my wide receiver one. Who should I start for my wide receiver two and flex positions in a PPR format? You've got DK Metcalf, Scary Terry, Amari Cooper, and Drake London. So you have to choose two to start, Yeti. Hmm. Choose two, or no, we're starting one. Oh, yeah, two. two yeah, sorry. Um, I'm gonna go with Scary Terry against New England. I think, um, he's gonna get fed again this week. Um, he saw he had a great game last week, if I remember right. Um, I don't look at Terry McLaurin's stats because yeah, 12 targets last week, like nine targets the week before, 11 targets. Yeah, he's been averaging basically 10 targets a game in the past three weeks. So I feel comfortable rolling out Scary Terry at this point. Um, And then I think the wide receiver two I'm going to roll with is not Amari Cooper. What? I I think I'm going to roll I know, but I I just don't trust P.J. Walker. That's my issue. Uh, issue Just don't want some practice today. Okay, if Watson's in, let's roll with Cooper. If he's out, I'm going with Metcalf against Baltimore. I am going to go with Amari Cooper over Metcalf anyway. Oh. So even if P.J. Walker plays, I'm still taking Amari Cooper on this one. Um, The problem with the Seattle is just the inconsistency with the wide receivers. And it's across the board. One week, DK Metcalf, Metcalf, he got 14 targets last week, which is absolutely awesome. But then he only had 9.2 fantasy points. The week he didn't play versus Arizona, and the week previous he got nine targets and put up eight point nine points. So like his targets are kind of there, but it's just not. And I understand that that is eventually like you get that many targets, it's going to change. But the Ravens also just have a good defense. That kind of scares me. So I would I'm going to take Amari Cooper against a shitty team, and even if we're playing with a backup quarterback, Amari Cooper is still getting really consistent targets, and uh, and the Cardinals defense is terrible. So. This smells like a good polling opportunity for our Brainiacs on it does. Twitter. Maybe, maybe we'll put it over on Twitter. Check we did out. it last week. We did it last week. Right. That's it. That's all the time we have, buddy. I appreciate you coming and doing this. This was fun. It all was the fun Brainiacs holding that uh, moment of silence for a boy, McDaniels. We had two moments of silence today. It was very impressive. But 
we're going to give the Brainiacs a big moment of silence and end this podcast. So before we do that, I do want to say thank you for everybody that is listening, tuning in, watching us live or listening on your podcast platform. Please hit subscribe. It does mean the world to such a small little podcast like ourselves. And we love doing this. We love answering your questions. We do it every episode. So if you have any questions, come join us. We will answer any and all questions that you may have. And we appreciate your support. Yeti, let's get the fuck out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.